2: This is episode number 12 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. Wow, we have a dozen of these bad boys already. Not bad, not bad at all. Here's to a dozen more. Cheers, my friends. I am your lazy host, Mr. Leroy Luna, coming at you straight out of the closet with another spectacular episode. It's going to be a little different this time around. I'll be discussing two smaller tales, both of which involve fast food restaurants. My favorite. The first one will have a person whose actions led them to get fired, and the second story involves a person whose actions are to be admired. Sandwiched in between those two stories will be an appearance from a special guest. It's going to be fun, but before we dive into all that, I want to once again thank everyone who's been reaching out, and of course, giving me those five-star reviews. You guys keep delivering week after week, and I really appreciate it. The joke reviews are in. We're going to have a couple of animal jokes this time around, so strap on. Or in, whatever you prefer. The first one comes from my pal Lisa over in the UK, and she writes, What's gray? And comes in buckets. An elephant. <coughs> and up next, we have Dark Tower 19 from the US of A. And they say, what is the difference between a hippo and a zippo? Well, you see, one is heavy, and the other is a little lighter. we all know what that sound means. Let us cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. I promise I'll have you back home in time for your shift at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm lovin'. number 12 fast food frenzy I've worked numerous jobs over the years and for the most part my strategy has always been to stay under the radar do as little as possible without getting fired I've almost perfected it but there have been a few bumps in the road along the way I've been let go on a couple of occasions the first time I was fired it did not go smoothly at all I can laugh about it now but at the time it was pretty embarrassing I was working at a factory that um, made car parts whatever it's not important The place went out of business about 15 years ago, so I guess it was a blessing that they let me go. At least that's what I tell myself. Hashtag blessed. I worked on an assembly line, doing a variety of jobs. They moved me around a lot. I was young, about 20 years of age, not the greatest with my hands. I was all thumbs and just kind of went through the motions. Just there to collect a paycheck. There were a few times when they had to slow down production on my account. On this particular day, I had been there for almost three months. My 90-day probational period was coming to an end. It was about an hour into my shift when one of my supervisors advised me that the head honcho wanted to see me in his office. Ooh. So off I went. He was a nice enough gentleman, so I wasn't really nervous. I found it kind of strange he wanted to speak to me as I was the new guy and hadn't seen him since the day of my interview when I was first hired. When I got in there, he told me to take a seat, and that's when he let me down gently. He said things weren't working out. I wasn't catching on as quickly as they had hoped, and they had to let me go. Pretty basic stuff so far. No big deal. I should add, I guess this place wasn't unionized. Usually there's someone else present in the room when you get fired, and they escort you out. Believe me, I know from experience. But that wasn't the case this time. It was just me and him. Him and I. As I got up to leave, he told me not to worry. I'd still be getting paid for the rest of my shift. That's also pretty standard stuff at most places, I believe. But oh boy, I really wish he didn't say that last part. As I stated earlier, I was young and hadn't been fired before. So since I was getting paid for the remainder of the shift, I thought that meant I was working the remainder of the shift. So I walked back to my workstation, told the guy who had taken over for me to take a hike. He kind of raised an eyebrow, shrugged, and walked away. And that's when I got back to work. And oh man, did I work. You should have seen me. I'd never moved so fast in my life. I was going to prove to those suckers they fired the wrong dude. Oh, they'd be sorry. Heck, at the end of the day, they might even decide to hire me... <clears throat> back. I turned around to see the head honcho behind me, along with a supervisor and the security guard standing with his arms crossed, looking rather unimpressed. The honcho looked at me perplexed. He goes, Um... I just fired you. I nervously stuttered something like, uh, Oh, I, I, well, you see, I I, th- I thought I had to work the, the rest of my shift. He goes, No, you have to leave immediately. So all three of them escorted me out the door this time like I was some sort of criminal, making sure I left the property. That walk to the front door was the longest walk of my life. I could feel everyone's eyes on me as I shuffled out with my tail between my legs. Ugh, so awkward. But hey... Look at me now. Landed on my feet and I'm doing this podcast. I'm my own boss. I can do what I want when I want. Or perhaps you guys are all my bosses and can fire me at any given moment by unsubscribing to the show. I don't want to look at it that way though. I'd be too nervous. I never really worked in the fast food industry. My first job I was a dish pig washing dishes at a family owned diner. That's the closest I got. Oh I worked at a pita pit as well. Huh. I suppose I could have told a story from there. Too late now, I guess that ship has sailed. Instead, I chose to tell that tale of pure humiliation. It's kind of therapeutic, though, I gotta admit. I've learned to embrace awkward, uncomfortable situations over the years. Sure, they're excruciatingly painful in the moment, but it's almost always worth it, as you can look back on them and have a good laugh. Or at least have a fun story to tell. Anyways, let's put on our hairnets and get into it. Believe it or not, we'll be visiting a couple of fast food establishments in this episode, and now one is McDonald's. Crazy, right? I'm sure we'll get to the Golden Arches one of these days, but for today, we're going back to Ohio. We just visited Euclid, Ohio for our Halloween special, and here we are again. This time we're headed to Dayton, which is a city in western Ohio with a population of approximately 140,000 people. Hollywood hottie Rob Lowe lived in Dayton from the time he was a little baby at six months to a little before his teenage years. He moved to Malibu, California at the tender age of 12 and hit the big time shortly thereafter. I'm sure Dayton, Ohio has some bigger claims to fame, but hey, this isn't a history podcast we're doing here. It is early Friday morning, October 19th, 2012. It's 12.45am, and Mary Archer, the assistant manager of this fine Arby's establishment, Is closing up shop. Well the Arby's closed at midnight and she's trying to tie up some loose ends making the place look presentable before she locks up and heads out the door for the night. Let's talk about Arby's for a moment. Not the highest on my list when thinking of a fast food joint. Wouldn't even crack the top ten. It's not bad though. They specialize in thick beefy sandwiches. In fact their slogan is we have the meats. (laughs) It's fairly popular in America Coincidentally, the state with the most Arby's locations in the U.S. is actually Ohio, with 274. So yeah, they love the meats in Ohio. I remember the commercials for their curly fries as a kid. Delicious. They used to have five roast beef sandwiches for five bucks back in the 90s. I took advantage of that deal a few times. Oh man, I'm getting hungry. Hope you've all eaten. My apologies to any vegetarian listeners out there. I should have thrown out a trigger warning. I'm getting the meat sweats with all this beef talk. Back to our girl, Mary Archer, assistant manager, 56 years of age. She's putting her time too. She's worked at Arby's for the past 23 years. That's loyalty right there. She's all alone, having just sent her last remaining employee out the door a couple minutes ago. While she finishes up inside, there's a sketchy character standing outside. He's brandishing a knife and gathering up the courage to enter the building. And eventually he does. He's in need of some quick cash, so naturally, he's thinking Arby's. He rings the front doorbell and waits. Mary hears it and casually unlocks the door, assuming one of her employees had forgotten their purse or something. The man barrels in the door, holding up his knife, yelling, Where's the money? Where's the money? A scary situation indeed. I have a couple of quotes from Mary Archer via an interview with WHIO, a TV station in Dayton. Quote, I really thought I was going to die. End quote. This is one of those situations where the fight-or-flight instincts come into effect. Mary kind of did both. She gave the man a quick shove. That bought her enough time to run and dive through the drive through window and make her escape, all the while screaming for help. When she squeezed her butt out that window, she only had one thing on her mind. Terrified Arby's assistant manager, quote, I'm not going to die at Arby's tonight. I'm just not. End quote. A man at a Circle K convenience store down the street heard the ruckus and got an employee to alert the authorities. We now have some information from Mary Archer's daughter via News Center 7. I am also confused as to why they talked to the daughter. Maybe she worked there too? Not sure. She said that was the third time that Arby's had been robbed in the past six months, and her mom was on duty for all three of them. Jeez, one time would be traumatizing enough, but three times in half a year? She's not getting paid enough to be dealing with all that. The daughter said robbers attempted to take the safe the other two times. The first time they failed, but the second time they were successful. The knife-wielding would-be robber on this occasion ended up walking out with nothing. He wasn't caught. I have a description that Mary gave to the police. If you know a person who even remotely fits this description, call them immediately. Just kidding. It's pretty vague. He is around 5 feet 10 inches tall about a 150 pounds soaking wet so a real thick dude must hit the gym a lot he was wearing dark pants with a dark hoodie and a dark wool hat when mary archer went back to work the next day what did arby's do for her maybe give her the week off with pay to help cope with that stressful situation nah they fired her she was in violation of one of their security policies Because she was alone in the restaurant, only for a few minutes, but something that she'd been warned about previously, they decided after 23 years to let her go. Ridiculous. Here's an email response to ABC News from a spokesperson at Arby's Restaurant Group. Email quote, We consider the safety and security of our guests and employees to be of utmost importance. We're extremely thankful that no one was injured during this incident. While this did not occur in a company-owned restaurant, we understand from our franchisee that the employee was terminated for her second violation of an important safety and security policy, namely, being alone in a restaurant after hours. End email quote. That's cold. The turnover rate in the restaurant business is huge. In my opinion, if you find someone who is loyal and does the job right, you do your best to hold on to them. Here's what Mary says about security at the establishment. Quote, We have no alarms, no cameras. That should have been nipped in the bud at the very first attempt. The only bright spot is, my life was spared. End quote. She's totally right. I think the owner of that Arby's is failing to look at the big picture. Sure, she was alone in the store, which she shouldn't have been, but that's not the real problem here. Worry about the fact that people keep trying to rob your restaurant. Maybe they know you're lax on security, and that's why it keeps happening you dink. It seems that Arby's location, which is on Yellow Springs Road, is having a hard time finding competent help over the years. They have received mixed reviews, getting a 3.6 out of 5 rating. I average 4.8 out of 5 stars. This isn't about me, though. The first one came in two months ago from Brian Schrader. He gave them a one star and says, quote, terrible. Order was wrong, food was cold and inedible. Long wait for the wrong food that you could not eat. End quote. And this last one is actually a decent review, but it made me laugh, so I'm going to say it anyway. A year ago, Tim Kelly gave this four star review quote, Just a quick drive through. Got through fast. Ordered two classic roast beefs, one for me, one for dog. Served hot, tasted good. Thanks. End quote. I think he meant one was for his dog unless maybe he was with dog the bounty hunter that would have been pretty cool let's just assume that regardless even if dog approves of the food i certainly do not approve of the actions of this establishment and out of respect for mary will not be visiting this restaurant in the near future Alright, that's a wrap on the first story, where someone was fired, wrongfully in my opinion, but fired nonetheless. Our second story involves an employee who made a heroic effort to help out their restaurant in a time of need. So I decided to bring in a special guest to transition us into this one. A person who has worked his fair share of jobs in the food industry and has a solid work ethic. He's actually a personal hero of mine, so I'm sure he'll have some great advice, maybe even a heroic story of his own. I'm not sure what he came up with. I'm hearing it for the first time just like you. What a treat.
3: Hey, uh, Leroy Luna, long-time listener, first-time caller. It's your brother, Jack Luna, here from uh, what I can glean. You need some of my experiences from working uh, menial jobs. So, uh, Well, from what I can remember of the over 50 minimum wage jobs I've held... The thing that stands out most is that I always strove to do the bare minimum. If you're getting paid the minimum, do the minimum, was my motto. (laughs) Also, have fun and steal stuff when possible. It breaks my heart when I hear of any person putting themselves at risk for a company that pays slave wages, like being loyal to a gas station to the point where you die over a few bucks and some scratch tickets. That there is depressing. That is some misplaced loyalty. Join the military if you got that kind of pride that needs to be exercised, uh, pumped up. Don't waste it at the actual pumps. And that's my message. Also, when it comes to the food industry, here's a message for consumers who have never been behind that curtain. Be nice to those in charge of your food. If you're the type who's rude to the girl taking orders at the drive-thru or snippy with the waiter at your restaurant, the joke's on you because just like in that movie, Waiting, you've at the very least eaten some spit. If you acted like royalty anywhere, that I used to do dishes or uh, deep-fried potatoes covered in flour weevils, then from what I can recall witnessing, you've ingested buns handled by fingers that had just finished itching sweaty nuts and filthy hairy butt crack. You've opened a pizza box that had been farted into before it was initially shut. And at least one of you out there ate a plate of spaghetti that had a noodle in it that someone pulled through their nasal passage first. So be good to your servers because they're friends with the dogs in the back. Stay paranoid. Love the show, Leroy.
2: <coughs> oh, dear. This is embarrassing. Um, I, I apologize for that. I think he misunderstood what I had requested. Let's just move along to our second segment. Okay, our next story takes place in Stockton, California. Home of a couple of my favorite fighters, Nate and Nick, the Diaz brothers. Representing the 209. All day, baby. Stockton is known for having some very rough neighborhoods. Let's go to NeighborhoodScout.com for more. With a crime rate of 54 per 1,000 residents, Stockton has one of the highest crime rates in America, compared to all communities of all sizes. From the smallest towns to the very largest cities. One's chance of becoming a victim of either violent or property crime here is 1 in 19. On the crime index, Stockton gets a 3, meaning it's only safer than 3% of cities in the United States. Yeah, this is a bit of a shorty anyways, but let's cruise in and out of this area quickly. Let's clutch our purses tightly and make sure the doors are locked. And do not, I repeat, do not make direct eye contact with anybody or we're going to have a problem. It's Thursday night, May 23rd, 2013, 9.45pm, and a couple of thugs are ready for a big score. Are they going to rob an armored car? Hit up a jewelry store, maybe? Nah, they're going to have it their way. That's right, they're hitting up the local Burger King. So they pull up around the back, enter the front of the BK aggressively, they hop the counter, guns out, and they get two employees to give them the restaurant's cash. They want it all. As the two employees are filling bags with dough, a third employee, who the men hadn't noticed, thinks quickly on their feet and springs into action, sneaking out the back door. They notice what they assume must be the thug's vehicle. It had been parked out back and left running, ensuring that the men would have a quick escape. I guess they should have had a third man on this robbery, in the underrated role of getaway driver. The clever employee decides to jump in the car and take off around the block, hiding the vehicle. Let's now join back up with the thugs, who are satisfied with their whopper of a score. That's right, I went there. They take off and run around back to get into their vehicle for a quick getaway. Imagine their surprise when they realize their wheels are gone. Oh man, that would have been great. The confused thugs have no other options. They have to run. At this point, the police have been called and show up fairly quickly. The men are caught hiding out in a nearby field and are taken into custody without incident. We later find out the thieves are 23-year-old Jeremy Lovett and 19-year-old Gabriel Gonzalez. I'll post a pic of these gentlemen on Instagram. The one guy, Jeremy Lovett, looks about as dopey as you would imagine. He appears to be missing a few brain cells. He actually looks like he's about to sneeze in his mugshot photo. It's pretty great. The heroic, fast-thinking employee who foiled this whole robbery was never named, which is too bad. What they did was amazing and deserves a proper shout-out. Maybe it's for the best, though, to protect their identity. Jeremy Lovett, on the other hand, was charged with felony robbery and held on $150,000 bail. And Gabriel Gonzalez was charged as well and was held without bail. He had other warrants against him, a misdemeanor charge for receiving stolen property, amongst others. Joe Silva, an officer with the Stockton Police, said in an interview with CBS Sacramento, quote, the action from this employee did allow our officers to get on scene and arrest the suspects, end quote. Silva also later told CBS News, quote, I haven't heard of any employee actually leaving a business, getting inside the suspect vehicle, and trying to hide it, end quote. Yeah, that is uh, pretty wild. This is definitely a whopper of a story. Did I use that joke already? I think I did. Oh, well. on that repetitive note, we are back. Told you that would be a quick one. One worth telling in my opinion. That's a wrap on episode number 12, Fast Food Frenzy. Crazy stuff. I hope you enjoyed those stories half as much as I did. The thugs in this episode were a little more aggressive than the ones we usually cover. Dudes with bad attitudes, knives and guns and all that. Luckily the victims got out of these situations unscathed for the most part. Well, physically anyways. One lost their job, and others, no doubt, were a little traumatized. Nothing a couple of years of intense therapy can't fix. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing the sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. Special thanks to my bro, Jack Luna, for making a guest appearance on the show. I'm sure I'll have him back at some point. That was fun. He has a couple of podcasts. His original one is Dark Topic, he was kind enough to have me do shows with him on Patreon over there. I did that uh, for about two and a half years with him. He gave me the itch that begged to be scratched, and the only cure was to make a podcast of my own. Well, that and a strong pubic life shampoo cleared that itch right up. So thanks, bro. I actually have a promo to play for one of Jack's podcasts. Well, let me properly introduce it. It's called 911 Calls Podcast with the Operator. The operator and his junior assistant, Jack Luna, play snippets of crazy 911 calls and break them down together. It's my favorite podcast. There's so many I love, but if I could only choose one, this is it. It's got everything. You'll laugh, you'll cry. It's the best. Do yourself a favor and check that one out. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I laugh a lot during every episode, which sounds weird to say because it's about hectic 911 calls, but I can't help it. Those guys are hilarious. Um tell him Leroy sent you. Uh, Jack and the op have done a lot for me, helping me get started, so it would be nice to know that I returned the favor in some small way. Anyways, I'll let Jack tell you all about it. As for me, I will be back in 10 days with some more softcore crime for you. Peace. Take it away, Jack.
3: He ripped her face off, the woman on the phone screams. This is how it begins abrupt, disturbing, impossible not to want more information. This is 911 Calls Podcast with the Operator, a new offering from 1159 Media that presents then dissects gripping audio from 911 calls made across the world. Join the Operator and his trusty assistant, Mr. Luna, as they navigate the rough road that dispatchers and those on the other end of the line must travel amidst crisis. Experience the panic as moments tick by on each call. Find yourself exasperated as the height of emergency breeds the height of confusion between caller and rescuers. Then, more often than not, witness the heroics of those forced into an emergency situation. Every episode is a roller coaster of emotions, provoked in large part by frank commentary throughout. Don't miss this very important call. Subscribe now to 911 Calls Podcast with the Operator, wherever you listen to podcasts.